Good evening. Thanks for joining us um, here at Northfield Boulevard Church of Christ. Uh, we're excited that you're watching this. We're um, excited that you have an interest in spiritual things and that you want to learn um, more about God. Tonight, um, obviously, I'm not the normal speaker. Um, so we're going to be talking about something that I've been thinking about and uh, studying about for the past couple months every so often and something that I've noticed uh, is integral to our life as a Christian, and that's fellowship. At my job, I'm a manager at a restaurant, and we've had a lot of turnover with managers, different staff, um, hourly employees, and it's just been a whirlwind trying to get everybody to do the same job the same way every time like they're supposed to. One thing that my new GM has been talking about um, almost every day is that if me and him are saying the same things day after day after day, week after week after week, then eventually the hourly employees will slowly catch on and hopefully do their jobs the way we want them to be doing it. And those applications, that applications of a, of a team working together, having one mind, having, uh, in, one, in a way, one recipe to make the certain product and doing it the same way, not putting their own little flavor on it, uh, applies to us as Christians. We should be working all together. We're not a bunch of individuals doing our own thing with our own ideas, how we want to do it. We should have the same mind as God. God gives us the command. He gives us the instruction. He gives us the recipe that we're supposed to follow. We should all be coming together at the same time in the same place, worshiping in the same way. Some of us might be, in, so, in some cases, instead of paying attention, we might be thinking about uh, how football is no more, how we're not going to have lunch in the same place, how I'm sleepy, I want to take a nap during the sermon. We shouldn't be doing that. We should all be coming together with the same focus, which is to praise God, to edify each other. So, first of all, let's start with the question, what exactly is fellowship? Growing up, um, I heard fellowship that word quite a bit. Uh, it might not be in everybody's day-to-day vernacular, but for me as a young person, um, one of my favorite movies was Lord of the Rings. And of course, the first one, or the first book, is The Fellowship of the Ring. So growing up, I've heard the word fellowship year- for years and years and years. But some people you know, might not know it as regularly. Fellowship, um, simply put, is just having the same mind as somebody else. Um, being one with one another, a co-worker, a joint worker. And we'll see passages that support this. In Philippians 1... Uh, we see Paul use the term uh, fellowship. If we start in verse 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from, now and from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We see here that he's writing to this church, this group of people in Philippi, and he's uh, thankful for their fellowship that they have, not just with each other, but their fellowship in the gospel. And that's a different kind of fellowship entirely than just um, a group of people uh, rooting for a sports team or trying to make a bunch of burgers for somebody one day. We're, we don't just have fellowship with each other. We have fellowship with God in, in the gospel. And there's a one-mindedness. If we go down to Philippians 2, the first couple of verses, Paul says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love... If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. So again, as I stated, we're not just a group of individual uh, workers. We're like a colony of ants or a colony of bees. We're all working together for the same purpose. So let's look at the types of fellowship. There's three types that I want to highlight uh, this afternoon. The first type being the fellowship that we have with other Christians. So we can turn to John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was from the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with, with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that our joy may be full." We see that John is writing to these Christians to allow them to, or to help them have fellowship with him, with the other apostles, with each other. We, can, we see in Acts 2 how the uh, first converts, they were working together. They were all uh, worshiping together, uh, uh, giving uh, praise to, with each other, praying together. They were doing everything they did when it came to spiritual things together. And that's what we should be doing. We come together on Sundays and Wednesdays. But sometimes during the week, we just let that slide. We check Sunday, we check Wednesday, and that's it. Fellowship isn't uh, a one or two check um, item that we can do. It has to be a constant mindset. The second type of fellowship that is also highlighted in First John is that we have fellowship with uh, the Father and Jesus Christ. So the question is, how do we do that? What And what does fellowship with uh, God and Jesus entails? It entails having the same mind as them. We're told, we see um, in the Old Testament, God told the Israelites to be holy like he is holy. Uh, We see the same thing in in the the epistles that Peter writes, that we're supposed to be holy like God is holy. We're supposed to have that same mindset, that same um, striving to be like God, to be like Jesus. And we'll highlight some more of those points later on. If you would also turn to the to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, and we can we start in verse nine. Paul says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We see that term dwells in you. We can put fellowship right in there with it. That's the idea of something or dwelling with one another. Uh, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, um, the mindset of God should dwell in us. The third type of fellowship that we want to highlight is what we're not looking for, what we don't want to have in our lives. And that's fellowship with the world. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Preparing for this lesson, I realized, you know what? I don't have to pause when I tell y'all where to turn. Because y'all can just pause me, turn there, and hit play. So if I go too fast, feel free to do that. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. Paul says, "For For you were once darkness, but now are light. 
in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will, Christ will give you light. So he says in verse 11, Have no fellowship with things of the world or the things of darkness. Why is that? Because God is the exact opposite of darkness. He is light. If we have fellowship with God, we cannot have fellowship with the world. He even says, he goes as far as to say, expose um, things that are of the world, that things have, that have fellowship with the world, to expose them. It's not good enough to see something that is wrong and not say anything about it. We have to do something about it. If we see sin, we have to correct it. Just today, um, using the example of my work again, we have um, some more new training come out for all the managers and employees to watch videos about how um, harassment and things like that in the workplace aren't acceptable and how to deal with that, how to report individuals that are um, not conducting themselves in the right way. We're supposed to expose them. Just like Paul says here, if we see sin, we, we can't sit idly by. There has to be some sort of remedy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about this as well. 1 Corinthians 6. Let's start up in verse 15. Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside, his, outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So here we have even more weight put upon our shoulders. In the context of um, sexual immorality and worldly sins, uh, Paul says that we are not to become one with them. And that he says that our bodies were given to us by, from God and they were bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus. And just imagine how disrespectful it is if we align ourselves with the world. If we have fellowship with the world and sin against God is somebody who sent his own son to die for us. Finally on this point, let's turn back to 1 John chapter 1 and look at some of those verses again. Let's go down to verses 5 and 6, continue the reading there. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So to say that we have fellowship with God, which is easy for us to do. We come to church on Sundays. We come on Wednesdays. We're good people. But if we are only good people when we come here and we only put on the facade for other Christians to see. So, oh, yeah, Michael's doing pretty well today. He's here at church. But then nobody sees or hears from him from the week. And he's just, and I'm just off committing sin after sin. That's lying. That's not having fellowship with God. That's having fellowship with darkness. 
So what does it look like to have fellowship with God? Here's a couple things that we'll highlight. The first of all is being that we are constantly involved in spiritual things. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 19. We already read these verses, but let's read them again. Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So again, we're not just to um, put on the facade of being holy and being spiritual here at the building. We're supposed to take that into the world. A lot of times, it's very easy to come, become complacent when we're not surrounded with our Christian peers, people who aren't uplifting us day by day. But here's the thing. If we're constantly involving ourselves with spiritual things, I'm going to be encouraging my brethren during the week. If they're constantly involved in spiritual things, they'll be uplifting me throughout the week. So it'll be like I'm here all the time. I'll have, I'll, I'll have my brethren with me every day of the week because we're all lifting each other up. It involves how we worship. Uh, in John chapter 4, verse 24, we're told to worship in spirit and, and, and in truth. Now here's the twist. We can't just worship in spirit or truth. It's spirit and truth. We have to have both. And if we don't have both, then we're not in proper fellowship with God. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. And look at some of the verses there at the end of that chapter. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We see here outlined very clearly what the first century church was doing. They were working together. They were coming together in one accord. So many times we see that they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They were continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread. They ate um, with each other. They spent time with each other, talking and praying and praising God. That's what we should be doing, not just here at the building, but outside as well. Another aspect of our daily conduct that um, having fellowship with God impacts is how we support and share the gospel. In Philippians, in the fourth chapter, in verse 14, Paul says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Now for God and Father be glory and forever and ever. Amen. We see how the Philippians... We're not only there for Paul while he was there, but they, he, they, 
shared in his distress while he was in prison. They were distressed for him. They empathized with him. They sent need when he needed it. Um, And also we see examples when he wrote to the Corinthians how the uh, Christians in Jerusalem were suffering. He was, uh, that's where we see the command for us to give weekly uh, to the work of the church. That's another part of our fellowship, not just, um, and that, that's fellowship with God and each other, how we um, share in the gospel in times of distress, distress and times of joy, but also how we um, proclaim the gospel as well during hard times. In Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 15, Let's start in verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We see here the uh, very loved analogy of the armor of God and how we're supposed to be preparing ourselves for that. And that's how we, in part, help um, proclaim the gospel. We're supposed to prepare, uh, shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're supposed to have our shield ready, our sword ready at any moment. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, the writer... um, rebukes the Hebrews there, saying how some of them should have been teachers already. And that's what we should be striving to be. We should be wanting to teach the word, not just here, but to those in the world daily. Even if not by our word, sitting down having a Bible class with somebody over lunch or something, by our example. That's one way we can easily proclaim the gospel, just by being the example that God calls us to be. Finally, um, as I've mentioned already before, having like, a like-mindedness with God. 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 15 he says but he had but he but as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written I am holy for I am holy being holy is some is an idea that um, uh, brother ping mentioned the other week in being sanctified how we're supposed to be set apart um, very different from the world. Somebody should be able to look at us and be like, that person is different. And that's because we have this, we're striving to have the same mind as God. So we um, have the same mind as God in our holiness and also our love. First John chapter 4 again. Starting in verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. This idea of abiding in God with love, because God is love, and having that kind of love in our own lives is exactly what we're talking about. How we're supposed to have um, the love of God, that therefore he has fellowship with us, and we have fellowship with him. And the last point that ties right into uh, being holy and being loving like God is being sacrificial. Romans chapter 5, in verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We see here 
um, just one passage that highlights what God did for us and what Christ did for us. He shed his own blood for us so that we could have the chance to have fellowship with him, so that we could have the chance to um, live in him with heaven one day if we live faithfully. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? Christ died for you and shed his blood so that you uh, could uh, have fellowship with him here on the earth and that we can live with him in heaven. So have you taken those steps? Have you done what the uh, Jews did in Acts 2 by being baptized? If you have, you're on the right track. Uh, if there is sin in your life, though, you don't have fellowship with God like you're supposed to. If you have sin in your life, you have fellowship with the world, even if it's just a small part. That covers, um, that takes away um, everything else. We have to get rid of that sin. If you haven't been baptized, you should start that journey now. You should start that fellowship with God by being baptized. If there's any need, we'd be happy to help you here at Northfield. Um, you can give us a call, send us an email. We'd be happy to respond, have a study with you. Um, if you have any questions about anything, please let us know. Thank you.